Welcome to Bible and Bourbon with Pastor Ben. Today we are discussing Matthew chapter 15, verse 20 through 28, the faith of the Canaanite woman. But before we start today, I want to give a bit of an update about what I said last week. I am coming out with a book, Bible and Bourbon, the Parables of Jesus. I told you that it would be available sometime in mid to late October. I plan on having it out on October 19th and then running a completely free promotion until the 24th of October. So if you're listening this live, you can download the book completely free of charge on October 19th to 24th. I would leave it free longer, but Amazon only allows me five free days. So make sure you get it then while it is free. If you do want a hard copy, you have to pay something just due to printing cost. The book, Bible and Bourbons, The Parables of Jesus, will focus on a retelling of Jesus' parables in a modern context. So instead of talking about the Good Samaritan and Levites and priests, it'll talk about ministers, businessmen, and punk rockers. Additionally, each chapter will have either a cocktail or bourbon pairing, which will make it great if you wish to lead a small group discussion. And if you do have a small group, have everyone download it during the free period. I would rather you get a free copy than have to pay for it. And it'd be great to come together once a week and read a chapter of this book, have a glass of bourbon, and spend time with friends learning about Scripture, as Jesus does in the Last Supper. And if we are to follow his example, then we too should sit down, share a glass with some friends and companions, and talk about our faith. This week, our prayer request comes from a listener who is having some financial difficulties and could use your prayer as they try to find themselves in this troubling time. Today, I am drinking, well, a quite unique bourbon. It is Tom Bullock's Burnt Orange Bourbon. Tom Bullock was an influential bartender in the 1910s, He worked at the prestigious St. Louis Country Club and had many patrons who were quite influential. And he, in fact, wrote the very first book of cocktail recipes by a black man. His book was The Ideal Bartender. It is bottled in Kentucky by a distillery that wishes to have more diversity in bourbon and liquor distillation in general. So they are 100% black-owned, and they make a fantastic bourbon, particularly for old fashions. And you all know how much I love old fashions. So I've made an old fashioned using their bourbon, using the recipe that they recommend, uh, which, since this bourbon has a orange tint already to it, they don't ask you to add an orange peel or a cherry, which I normally do. So instead, it is just a sugar cube and some bitters and the bourbon. And I have to say, it's quite nice, even though I do miss the cherry, particularly from the old fashioned. Now, let's start our study with a prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for the moments we have in our lives that allow us to reassess and reevaluate our beliefs, to see if they truly align with you. We know that we are all your children and that we are here to show your love. Allow this not to be the best part of our day, but merely a building block to something better to come. Amen. From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, verse 21 through 28. 
Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 through 28. This is an important and often misunderstood scripture. It's important because in Jesus' public ministry, at least in the Gospel of Matthew, this seems to be the very first time he ever stepped out of the land of Israel or Judah. Tyre was north of the Roman province of Judah and north of what would have been considered the borders of the ancient kingdom of Israel. Even today, It is in the country of Lebanon, not the modern state of Israel. And it comes to no surprise that in this non-Jewish location, Jesus finds a Gentile woman. I mean, it makes sense, right? However, the description of this woman is a bit interesting, because Matthew calls her a Canaanite woman. Which is a bit perplexing, because Cana and the Canaanite people really disappeared about a thousand years before Jesus. Now, most of you are probably familiar with the conquest narrative found in the Old Testament, particularly starting with the book of Joshua, where the Israelites took back the promised land of Cana and expelled the Canaanites. However, by this point in history, Canaanites had basically disappeared. Now, The Canaanites didn't disappear totally, and people like the Phoenicians traced their lineage back to the Canaanites, but people weren't known as Canaanites by the time of Christ. And in fact, in the Gospel of Mark, the woman is not called a Canaanite, but instead a Syrophoenician, which may be a better description, because the word Canaanites is only found in the New Testament here in the Gospel of Matthew to describe this woman which means it probably wasn't a particularly well-known term by the time of Christ. There wasn't a lot of Canaanites running around. But someone who might be referred to as a Canaanite would probably better be described as a Syrophoenician, like this woman is described in the Gospel of Mark. Now, the word Syrophoenician means two things. She is a Phoenician woman, which means a woman who lives on the coast in the Mediterranean Sea. But this group, the Phoenicians, could come from a lot of different places. Particularly, many Phoenicians lived in North Africa. So the word Syro, meaning Syria, says that this woman was a Phoenician woman, or of Phoenician background, living in Syria. So really, this is just a catch-all term. She was living in the area of Syria, but she was not Jewish, Roman, Arab, or African. 
basically, all we know is that she is a Gentile. Because Mark does tell us that she is a Gentile uh, by using particularly the word Helens, meaning Greek. So for Mark, the Canaanite woman was in fact a Syrian, Phoenician, Greek. In a better term, she's a mutt. She's not Roman. She's not Jewish. She doesn't fit neatly into any real camp. So... Instead of saying all of that, Matthew just tells us that she's a Canaanite. It's a drawback to those old Canaanites, a people not particularly well understood in the time of Christ or even today. This woman's not Roman. She's not simply Greek either, but she's definitely not Jewish. Now, this description might sound fairly confusing to you. But frankly, it's something that we still practice today. If you were to ask me who I am, I'd tell you I am an American. But that's not how my ancestors would have saw themselves. If you had asked my mini-great-grandfather, who was born in the United States uh, right before the American Revolution, he would have told you that he was Welsh. The first Reeses came from the Welsh heartland. Or if you were to talk to many of my other ancestors, they would tell you that they were Scottish or Irish or English, even though all of them were born in the United States. In fact, for many of my ancestors, it would be quite confusing that I call myself an American instead of referring to the land that my ancestors once came from. Because for them, Americans were Native Americans. And this woman is being referred to in much the same way. Matthew is calling her a Canaanite because not necessarily of her relationship to the ancient Canaanites, but because that's where she lives now. And her lineage may be so muddied that saying that she comes from the Phoenicians or the Syrians, or the Greeks, just doesn't really catch all that she is. So she's a Canaanite in the same way that I'm an American. And this gets more to Matthew's point than almost anything else. Because in the same way as I say I'm an American, it immediately creates a stereotype, right? You know what an American looks like. By Matthew saying that she is a Canaanite, she becomes the stereotypical Gentile, the stereotypical non-Jew. She lived in the promised land, but she is not part of the promised people. And that gets to the real heart of the message. Many modern scholars have begun to question Jesus' interaction with this woman. In the last 20 to 25 years, particularly in the United States, race relations have played an important part in many of our academic studies. Many academic disciplines have particular professors or scholars who focus on race relations. And biblical scholarship is not removed from this. There are many scholars who look at the New Testament through a racial lens. And when they look at Jesus' interaction with this Canaanite woman, they see 
well, something interesting taken place. In fact, many of them seem to think that Jesus behaved in a slightly racist way. But, but I think there's more to the story. But I can see where they're coming from. Because at first, Jesus refuses to even speak to this woman. She comes up to him, and he doesn't even acknowledge her existence. He was a Jew, a son of Abraham. And his followers, likewise, were Jewish, sons of Abraham. This woman was nothing more than a mutt. Why would he speak to her? This isn't the understanding of Jesus, but it is an understanding that was shared among the disciples. All of the disciples would have felt that this woman was beneath them because of who she was. So it would have made sense that they did not want to speak to her. So when Jesus doesn't speak to her, they come up to him and say, Do you want to send this crying, complaining woman away who who keeps saying that her daughter is suffering? This stupid Canaanite woman. And as the disciples come up and say this, Jesus finally turns to speak to her. And what does Jesus say? I was sent only for the lost sheep of Israel. And here you can begin to see what some of our modern scholars are pointing to about this interaction. Jesus tells her that he is not here for her. But I imagine that that's what the disciples wanted him to say. They felt vindicated for it. They went to send this woman away, and now Jesus is saying that again. And then when the woman is persistent, Jesus turns to her and calls her a dog. A dog. Echoing the disciples' own beliefs. But this Canaanite, a Syrian, Phoenician, Greek woman is persistent and and drops to her knees saying, Lord, save me. It doesn't matter what Jesus has told her so far. She realizes that he is her only chance for salvation. Jesus can be as rude to her as possible, and it won't make a difference because both her and her daughter, both of them, need Jesus. It's hard to imagine Christ calling someone a dog simply because of who they are, because of their race. But then you realize that most likely you are more like the Canaanite woman than Jesus and his disciples. Because unless you are from a Jewish background, unless you have Jewish heritage, you are that Canaanite mutt. You are the dog. Jesus called someone like you a dog. But luckily, I don't think that's really what Jesus meant. Because very quickly after he says this and the woman continues to come forward, Jesus immediately heals the woman, accepts her as one of his own. And in some ways, I imagine that that was difficult for the disciples. 
because they were probably ready for Jesus to forcefully send her away. But instead of doing that, he commended her faith and granted her request. I'm sure they were quite shocked to see that this mutt was put on the same level as those children of Abraham. In this one moment, Jesus turned everything upside down and said that the Gentiles are the same, that they are children of God, just like the Jews. It's a recognition that Jesus is the Savior for all, not just one group of people. In the beginning of this study, I talked about how the Gospel of Matthew was probably written for Christians with a Jewish background, with Jewish heritage. And for them, this is a way that they can recognize that Gentiles were accepted in the faith, and any notions of superiority that they have should be cast aside, just as the disciples were forced to cast aside their notions of genetic superiority. And it's something that we need to recognize too. Often we can think our own heritage, our own Christian heritage, may be superior to other Christians around the world, but but that's not the case. Christians are Christians, no matter where they are. Do you know that the first kingdom to accept nationwide Christianity was the kingdom of Armenia? You may not have. It's a small country in Asia, not in Europe or even really the Middle East. It's a small group who en masse decided to become the first Christian nation. And even today, they are a Christian nation. You you don't think of people from the Asian continent uh, worshiping Christ in the Armenian Orthodox Church as the first nationwide group of Christians, but they are. They come around the same table. They share the same Lord as all of us. Frankly, we all eat scraps from his table. We're all children of God. I'd like to thank you for joining me today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please send them to me at BiblePeriodBourbon at gmail.com. As always, while it is true that Jesus drank wine, an occasional glass is different than an addiction. If you need help, please seek it. If you need help and don't know where to look, please reach out to me and I'll be happy to guide you. Blessings, everyone.